Let's begin now. Let's do this. We have a short show. It's after hours, 6 o'clock to 7.30, and then those wonderful Royals. That's sarcasm. But those Royals, those guys, they'll be on at 7.30 with Josh Furnier's pregame show, and then you'll hear my voice shortly after that as we'll do the double play with Josh Furnier, and you can have a chance before that to join his show for the pitch clock where you have chanced two tickets to 6.10 sports night at the K. Uh, we're all going to be there. Somebody's going to throw out the first pitch. Somebody's going to get in a wiener and run. Probably shouldn't have said it that way. Someone's getting a hot dog, and they're going to run around. Two, three people are going to get in a hot dog. They're going to run around the field. You know, they're going to try to be the ketchup, relish, or mustard, uh, which, I mean, I always root for relish. I don't care which one of my friends from this place is in what. Whoever's in relish is getting my, vo- is getting my vote uh, to win. But like I've been doing since, I don't know, three weeks prior, and I've told you this, and I know there's a lot of people that hate me for this. I was on Cody and Gold yesterday. I'll be on the drive Thursday and Friday, and if this young man continues to smoke it, then I'm going to keep talking about it. And that man is Bobby Witt Jr. And the pitch, and a breaking ball, fly ball, hit to center, hit pretty well. Butler going back to the fence, looking up, it's gone! A home run for Bobby Witt Jr., his 25th of the year, and the Royals are within one. They're down 3-2. to two. As long as Bobby Witt Jr. does something that is, I don't know, great, which seems to be doing something the last, oh, I don't know, three and a half months of baseball last night, he hits a bomb to center field. Why am I biased? I'll tell you why I'm biased, damn it. It's because I put a little bet on Bobby Witt Jr. said, you know what? It feels good. Feels good. I'm going to ride the hot guy. That's a shout out to Henry Lake. But the thing about that is I thought to myself, they're giving me a little bit of a boost on DraftKings of 50% of that. I read my buddy Joe Summers' article, used to be Stanford Joe of 610 Sports Radio, and he said Bobby Wood Jr.'s total bases had just been off the charts. And I thought to myself, Dusty, you know, it's a good night. You got a birthday party you got to go to. You got to get this little daddy a gift. Why don't you try to get lucky and win something? What did I do? $10 plus 900 anytime home run. That audio you heard made me a $100 man last night. I'll get into a parlay later tonight. You want to be listening around 745-ish for that on Vern's pregame show as I'll join you there. But again, Bobby Wood Jr., I've told you this before. If he does something of significance, I'm going to bring it up. And don't worry, I'm going to get into Chris Jones, I promise. But for the first five minutes of this show, it all goes to Bobby Wood Jr. Because I think with 18 games left at the K, Got to go see him once. If you want to milk it out to where he's at like 29 home runs and he's almost to that 30-30 threshold that no Royal has ever done in the history of this franchise, I feel like you are lying to yourself if you're telling you're not going to go get a ticket to try to see some history. And again, Bobby Wood Jr. made history again last night. Bobby Wood Jr. last night was one of five shortstops in MLB history. MLB history. To have at least 25 home runs and 35-plus stolen bases. The last one to do so, Hanley Ramirez, 27 or 2007-2008. Jimmy Rollins, former MVP, 06-07. Alex Rodriguez, juiced. But 1998, he did it. And Barry Larkin, you remember that guy for the Cincinnati Reds, an MVP as well, also 
did it. Minimum 75% of games played at shortstop. Bobby Wood Jr. is in his own. Bobby Wood Jr. is the man. He is a superstar, and people need to take note because what he's doing is special. And again, he'll be back at it tonight. And last night, I thought that we got a lot of what maybe a more mature Bobby Wood Jr. is. This audio uh, available via Bally Sports. This was Bobby Wood Jr. when he was asked by the Royals media about his accolades. I mean, what did you see from your offense there in the eighth inning to, to come back like that and tie it? Yeah, just fight. Um, that's what we've kind of been doing is just putting together one of those innings and putting up some runs. With, with Beatty being able to step in there and, and get it done in the pinch hit role, um, how tough is that to do and what does it say about him to be able to come through like that? Yeah, all those guys great at bats. Um, started us off. Uh, Izzy had a great great AB and then just kind of went from there. Massey with a clutch hit. Um, Michael with a great sack fly and then was, yeah. What did you see um, on your home run? It looked like it was a, a curveball that was down in away. Yeah, it was a curveball. Just kind of got up in there and I was able to kind of get it up, barrel it. How many shortstops have put up the numbers that you, you've done this year? Does that mean anything more when you look at the names that you're associated with? Um, I just think it's kind of more motivation just to try to kind of keep 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 those things going. You can be, I feel like, on the list, but you just got to keep doing it and staying consistent with it. So that's what I'm just trying to keep doing, just being prepared each and every day and not worrying about what happened now today. Um, learn from what happened today and then wake up tomorrow on a new day and get after it. How would you describe this district that you're on um, just for you just as you continue to grow in, in the game in your second season? Yeah, I just think it's just going out, just being myself each and every day. Um, I don't really look at it as like a, a streak. I'm just trying to be be myself out there. Dig it. You can tell he's disappointed with the team being walked off last night by the worst team in baseball. Of course, Oakland Athletics have the worst bullpen in baseball. The Kansas City Royals the second, but the Kansas City Royals have the hottest player on the planet, and Dave Holtzman, the stat guru, says last night via X or via Twitter, Bobby is now one of seven players, 23 or younger, in the NL or the NL history with 25 home runs and a 35 stolen base season. The last to do it, Ronald Acuna Jr., who's going to win the NL MVP this year, did it in 19. Mike Trout did it in 2012. Again, Hanley Ramirez in 07, Alex Rodriguez in 98. Bobby Bonds, 1969. Bobby Witt Jr. in the age of 23 years old or younger in 2023 has 25 home runs and 35-plus stolen bases. I look for Bobby to continue to stay hot in Oakland. One thing that seems to be hot is Chris Jones. And I want to talk about this because I'm at a point now where it doesn't really make sense to me from the Chris Jones camp. And it has nothing to do with contracts. It has nothing to do with what his career is going to be outside of Kansas City. I, if I had to make a statement as of right now of August 21st, or I'm sorry, August 22nd, I would say that Chris Jones is going to play his last year in Kansas City this year. And I know, whoa, Dusty, way out of the way there. What a, what a bold take. But the fact that you're tweeting these random pictures and these random sayings and these random things that are – not necessarily shots at the franchise or shots at the situation. It's more so just to the point now where it's become stale. And I don't think that it's a complete characteristic change. I don't think it's a Chris Jones isn't the same person or Chris Jones is taking a role of like the heel type of role. I just think that it's more so kind of annoying 
Look, I think Chris Jones is one of the best players in Chiefs franchise history. I think he could clearly say that he's surpassed Neil Smith. He's a two-time Super Bowl winner. And one thing that I think is interesting is that there might be some people out there that might start to use the four-letter word that is hate. And I don't agree with that, as there was audio today of people telling you you shouldn't hate him. Hey, listen, don't turn on this dude. I know it's annoying. You want to be like, get ready for the season. You want to be worried about whether or not Chris Jones is going to be out there. He's tweeting cryptic stuff. This is a Super Bowl team. You don't, we don't want any drama. But like, don't turn on this dude. He's a really good dude. He's busted his butt for the Chiefs for years now. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a Ring of Honor guy. He's just trying to get as much money as he can while he's still able to go out there and play. Like, I don't begrudge him that. That audio via Patrick Allen of Arrowhead Attic. Here's the thing. I agree with that. I agree with Mr. Allen. I don't think you should hate Chris Jones. I think you could be annoyed. And the best way that I can give an analogy of this situation, and I'm sure you've all either seen this happen or maybe you were a part of it if you were, that's unfortunate. But it kind of feels like a relationship that is staying together for the kids. It's clearly obvious that two people aren't happy, but there's something keeping them together. The one thing that's keeping these two together, these two parties, is that Chris Jones is under contract. He does have a $26 million a year coming up for the Kansas City Chiefs. But it is clearly evident that there is one side of an argument that is, hey, here's what we're willing to pay you. Here's what we're looking at as, you know, whatever the extension is, whatever the price is. The other part of it is, is here's what I really, truly want. Here's what I think I deserve. And here's where I'm going to stand for it. And of course, Today went nuts. He took a picture of what looked like a restaurant chalkboard with today's specials, but there was a saying on it. And he just had another thing, another tweet, a quoted tweet of it. And then somebody says, man, don't really, I think it was Arrowhead Attic, of course, of all people that said, hey, I mean, how long are you going to stand out or hold out? Money's piling up. Week eight. Then, of course, there was the weird tweet with Michael Bay. Who in a million years? thought that Michael Bay and Chris Jones would be at the same party, right? That'd be like me hanging out with Ozzy Osbourne and somebody being like, this guy said he's done with radio. Out of left field. I don't know why I'm with Ozzy Osbourne. I don't know why Chris Jones is with Michael Bay. But I don't think that this situation is going to resolve itself. I honestly don't think that Chris Jones holds out until week eight. And again, like I've mentioned, I think this is type of one or one of those type of relationships where there's something holding it together, but both sides obviously know that the end is near. And I had mentioned last week that I think the honeymoon phase is over for these two sides. I think the Super Bowls were great. The parades were great. The red carpet was fun. Chris Jones wasn't there. But the thing is now training camp is over. You're back in Kansas City. You've got a game two weeks from tomorrow night or Thursday night and it's starting to get real and it seems that maybe both sides are petty but one side's a little more because when you're sending tweets of things are out of my hands I'm not going to be back until week eight again I don't think people should hate Chris Jones but I just don't think that Chris Jones is doing the smart way about it Like, you're free to express yourself in any way, shape, or form. You're free to say and do whatever you want, use whatever media platform you can. But like Nate Taylor said on the drive yesterday, it just doesn't seem smart. Chiefs have done everything to try to placate this as best they can. But from an interpersonal standpoint, camp ends tomorrow. The season starts Thursday. 
the real season starts next Sunday. It is only going to get worse. And in terms of responsibility and trying to get the contract you want and trying to prove your value, you could go the other way. I just don't think it's necessarily smart, and I don't think it's financially logical because I just want to remind everybody, every day that this man is not with the team, he is foregoing $50,000. We're close to getting to, like, the 2 to $3 million in fines that he will have to pay whenever he shows up. Again, the team is waiting on you. I know the contract has not gone as well as you thought it would, but the season, like the calendar just forces you to make a decision or make you, I would say, come to, come to the reality that like it's time to play football and it's time to be the defensive leader that everybody's asked you to be. And I think that's where everybody's standpoint is. And that's Nate Taylor, who I take his opinions and I run with him because he's a very educated man and knows what he's talking about at The Athletic. Again, I don't understand the situation. The only thing that I can come down to realize and the one take that I will have on Chris Jones is that I hope he's not turning down a good deal and trying to get the greatest deal. Because if you're getting, and Rob Brenton of the Drive mentioned this last week when I was filling in for Carrington. If you're turning down a really good deal on a very good team with promises of being a dynasty, because that's how we define it is with three, three rings and a system where you're a leader, you're a voice, you're a top five player, you're a captain for a deal that's a really great deal that maybe Tampa would give you or somebody like Carolina would give you. I just hope you're looking out for your best judgment. Look, if you want to get paid and you want to get, you want to get rich, that's fine. But I still think you can get that in Kansas city. I just wish that we could get to a resolution of what this is because the whole back and forth on Twitter with fans and emotions and this and that, man, it's ran its toll. Stop sleeping on the couch. Come in the bedroom. Big bed, bamboo sheets, oscillating fans, ceiling fans. Nice and cool in here. The living room's tough. Dog sleeps on your legs. You don't want that anymore. On the other side, Patrick Mahomes. He might have two weapons we've never seen before that could turn this man into Superman because he's already a unicorn, a generational one at that. Dusty Likens is After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. I never knew how much you could swing a text line from the 816. Dusty, Chiefs are dumb asking everyone to take a pay cut. They already robbed him once, paying Frank Clark $100 million when that money was his. I didn't know they robbed him. From the 913, he is slowly turning the fans of Kansas City against him. Fewer and fewer people are on his side. The Chris Jones topic is hot this time of year. And I understand why everybody wants the, you know, the solidification of what it's going to be, where it's going to be by the time he gets here. Cause I know some people are like, was he going to be ready for the first game of the season? Are we going to wait and see how it goes? What's it going to happen? I don't know, but I do know that there is one thing that you can trust. And that is that you have your quarterback and two weapons that I don't know that we have, fully seen in full force 
at the same time for the Kansas City Chiefs, James Palmer of NFL Network had this to say about so far the preseason for the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, and, well, a few other things. No, he didn't like it, yeah. He didn't like it at all. He didn't like his offensive line's performance either. You know why? He likes to play in the preseason so he can get hit. You know what hasn't happened? Patrick Mahomes hasn't been touched because of the way that offensive line has played in front of him. He has really thought very highly of this revamped group in front of him with two new tackles, remember, and they really think this could be possibly the best offensive line he's ever played behind, and it's allowing him to go out there and get the football to a variety of playmakers. You see him hitting MVS there a play ago. Look at the receivers that are in their second year with him. That's one thing that I've been told about repeatedly by people in that building. MVS, Sky Moore, and the jump that they've made now that they understand Andy Reid's system. They think Sky Moore in his second NFL season is a completely different player. The guy who's made a jump very quickly for them is their rookie wide receiver in Rasheed Rice. He kind of made that jump in understanding an Andy Reid training camp, I was told, from like what he experienced in OTAs and minicamp. He was so prepared for training camp. One of the things they want to happen with him, though, Mike, is they want to keep pushing him. Something Patrick Mahomes keeps pushing him because they believe that he has the talent to be a difference maker, to make a lot of plays after the catch, like you see right here. They believe he's kind of Sammy Watkins when he first arrived with the Chiefs, that he has a lot of physicality to him, but at the same time, the speed to make plays at the same time after the catch. They really think highly of Rasheed Rice, but Patrick Mahomes wants to keep pushing him. He wants more out of him before this season. So I like the competition there with Patrick Mahomes and his offensive line saying, I want to get hit, and then they say, well, absolutely not. Um, here's the thing. That offensive line was built after the disastrous Super Bowl that was against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when everything fell apart. There was no protection. Patrick Mahomes ran some 200-odd 200, 200 yard, yards back and forth from sideline to sideline. We remember that game. We try to forget it. It is what it is. There's no men in black button that you can erase your mind from what you have seen. But the thing is that there are two things that I think Patrick Mahomes has never had locked down in his entire career, and that is an offensive line and a defense. Now, I know Chris Jones is a vital part of this defense, and I'm expecting Chris Jones to play for this team week one against Detroit. I know there's a lot of you that will say, yeah, well, he said week eight, whatever. But I do think that this defense is, if everybody is there, again, this is still August 22nd. We still have another preseason game, a week off, and then we have September 7th as the first game of the season. But if this defense is fully ready to go, the corners are lined up where they want to be, and you have everybody that you have brought back from last year. You know, you have Trent McDuffie, Justin Reed. You have Brian Cook, Leo Chanel, Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, Karloftis, so on and so forth. This might be a defense that can be substantially the best defense Patrick Mahomes ever played with. And Binkley joined me yesterday on the drive, and he had mentioned that as well. Texas Tech, no defense. Probably in high school, didn't have a defense. Now that he's in the pros, hasn't really had a solidified defense, and last year was one of the better ones he had. In fact, his middle linebacker, Nick Poulton, made one of the biggest plays in the Super Bowl last year, almost made two, and almost was the MVP of the Super Bowl. No kidding. But again, the offensive line is something that is interesting for Patrick Mahomes because what do we know about Patrick Mahomes? There is no better quarterback in the NFL that is better at improvising when it comes to Patrick Mahomes. And what's the one thing that has changed in combines and camps? Can you make the rolling out deep throw to the right or the left, no matter where you're throwing, like Patrick Mahomes can, right? That was kind of the thing when uh, Zach Wilson got drafted. He had made everybody's head turn because he made that throw on the run down the right side of the field and just, un just 
unleashed a hose down the field like 75 yards. And he said, well, maybe there's a chance. And now he's going to sit behind Aaron Rodgers and learn the ropes. And like Aaron Rodgers said in an interview, hopefully in two or three years when my 18 to 20 year career is done, Zach Wilson can step in and be the next guy. But the thing that's great about Patrick Mahomes having a great offensive line, we've really never seen, honestly, a consistent Patrick Mahomes with a three-step drop back, finding the spot and, you know, unveiling the field, looking at read one, two, three, and maybe four, picking out his targets and really being able to shred a defense the classic way. James Palmer also mentions that in that audio that Rasheed Rice is a dude that looks like he might have a little bit more toughness than maybe we give him credit for. And he's already shown a whole lot. We saw that game last week. It was, what, 8 for 96 against a terrible Arizona team. I'm not taking a whole bunch of it and running forward with it. But what I am saying is that there is promise from what he can do, where he is at, his hands, his moves, his yak, all of that stuff that Rasheed Rice is capable of doing as a young rookie out of the second round at an SMU. And then you look at the second-year receivers. And one thing that Sky Moore said of importance was, I'm I'm now able to find out where I need to be route-wise, tendency-wise, and chemistry-wise with Patrick Mahomes. If I can be in these spots and earn that trust, and Patrick Mahomes can have that offensive line where he's like, man, I, I, don't have to, I don't have to pull this out of my hat, then you have two different types of Patrick Mahomes. And that, to say out loud, is scary as hell. Because if you have a Patrick Mahomes that can be like, you know what, I got to go outside the tackles and get this, but then you also have a Patrick Mahomes that knows that his line is going to protect him. And again, the sample size is very small. Two games, he played four in the first series. He played all the way into, like, what, the mid-second quarter in the second one. So there's not a whole lot of snaps. He played 20 in the second game. He played four in the first. 24 snaps, not touched. And the one thing that you can have is trust in your offensive line because then you as a fan, them as a coach, they as players can sit back and be like, if Mahomes' jersey stays clean – and this cat's able to sit back and slice apart a defense like a fruit ninja, then the NFL is even more screwed than we might have thought of. And that back-to-back MVP talk that I said can't happen anymore in the NFL, it might happen. Because I'm really interested if Mahomes can be a drop-back passer and an improvisational quarterback at the same time. That's scary as hell. That's like having the best fastball and the best curveball in baseball. I'll go three innings of 97-mile-an-hour fastballs just picking my spots, and then once I've gone through the lineup once, I'll start dropping that Uncle Charlie. If that's the case, we may see a version of the best quarterback in the NFL that we've never seen before. And when you put that with Patrick Mahomes' name attached to it, that's a scary proposition for the rest of the league. Because I love the Patrick Mahomes that can snap the ball and do all that you know, flying around the backfield like Superman. But if you have a generational unicorn, plus you have a superhero that's only kryptonite is, well, losing an offensive line, then, man, it might be done. We might have a new, we might have a new version of Patrick Mahomes we've never seen before. We might have a Patrick Mahomes that the league hasn't seen before. And if they've already seen one version of Patrick Mahomes and there's a new one on the rise with the offensive line that is officially a steel wall, and he's got these receivers that he can trust that are now a lot of her second seasons in the system. And one that's a rookie that might be above and beyond is getting player comps to Sammy Watkins. I didn't say that. Patrick Mahomes said it. 
The other thing that makes Patrick Mahomes successful is that he's got a guy in Andy Reid. Pat McAfee said something very critical. He talked about his Indianapolis Colts and Anthony Richardson, but he dropped a little sprinkle of Andy Reid in there that makes sense and why this team and his teams are always successful. This is After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Dusty Likens. On the other side, Pat McAfee. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Royals in action tonight, pregame, Josh Furnier's on deck show. That'll start at 7.30. So we're only on for a little less than an hour. We'll have uh, Dave Helling's interview with Carrington Harrison in case you missed it on the new stadium announcements today, the locations, the analytics, all of that um, to give you a little bit more insight in case you missed it, in case you didn't hear the interview today. Uh, from the 816, Dusty, your reliance on Mahomes is getting to a point where we will be 2-15 and 15 if he goes down. The NFL isn't designed to just pay your quarterback, pay Chris Jones. I get it. People are upset. People want resolution. People want it now. I get it. I understand. I think the other thing that we don't understand, which is why this whole thing is messy and murky and kind of foggy like it was this morning, kind of weird, right? It's like 117,000 degrees outside, and then you wake up in the morning, it's like 85, and it looks like The Last of Us Season 2 is about to start. But we don't know the numbers. We don't know the discussions. We don't know what he's been offered. We know that he's been offered this, but we don't know, you know, whatever. Um, from the A16, uh, or just don't pay attention to Twitter, question mark. I had no idea this was happening or anything he was saying. I honestly don't care. I want him back. Well, that's fair. But the thing is, is that's where all of this is originating from with Chris Jones. This is where all this stuff is. He's putting it out there, right? Again, I'm all about freedom of speech, freedom of press, whatever you want to talk about. You let it out. You don't have to agree with people. You don't have to like it. You don't have to retweet it or repost it, whatever it is these days. But the thing is, he's putting it out there. And if you're going to put that out there, then you have to understand that things are going to come back your way. And there's people that are diehard Chiefs fans that love Chris Jones and don't like to see this happen. But again, we know the NFL. It's big business and big business decisions happen. The other thing that happens that are pretty big is when it comes to Andy Reid, right? There are certain things he does and has done that consistently make his resume the way that it reads. Like you don't just fall into 10 wins every year. You don't just fall into a couple Super Bowls or four consecutive conference finals on each side of the divisions, AFC and NFC. Pat McAfee on his show today explained why he likes what the Chiefs do over what his Indianapolis Colts do. But we did not have Anthony Richardson on the field. We don't have any of our offensive linemen on the field. And that's the reason why, because the O-line didn't play. Mm -hmm. So they didn't want to put Anthony Richardson out there, obviously. But that old stadium was there to see AR do one thing. And Colts fans were like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Who's playing? And then all of a sudden, Minshew Mania. Here we go. Threading the needle, doing his thing. Love that Minshew's on the squad. I don't know how our team's going to be because we didn't get to see a big question mark, which is the offensive line. There's that guy was going to huck that thing into the stands. I love that that was his immediate thought. And Gardner Minshew put it right through that guy's arms on purpose. Great ball. And thought it was picked. We were right there, obviously. Uh, It was thought it was a touchdown. But, like, AR not playing at all. And the offensive line not playing at all. 
I assume it's because the joint practices, they were able to see it. Mm -hmm. But the whole stadium was there to see that guy. And then you see Patrick Mahomes playing like a full quarter and a half. And it's like, are we making the right decision or what's going on? Who knows how they'll handle week three. Yeah, they so that's an interesting point there from Pat McAfee. Sorry I didn't cut that audio clean enough. That's my fault. I take full responsibility for that. Do better, Dusty. The thing about Andy Reid is interesting because I've told you the funny stories before. My first time ever going to mini camp for the Chiefs, it was hot. I was in the sun. I leaned against the fence, and their PR team came over to me very kindly and said, Dusty, hey, here's the deal. Andy Reid doesn't let his players lean. You don't lean. Okay. All right, then. I'll stand. My apologies. But the thing is that there are reasons why the Kansas City Chiefs and why Andy Reid and this team continue to be winners, why they were winners in Philadelphia. Now, the end of Philadelphia, we all understand that story. It just the relationship had gone sour. There were maybe some things that he had gotten too many hands into the fishbowl, and it just kind of became a murky situation, and it was time to split up. Since he's been at Kansas City, he's never had a losing season. He's only missed the playoffs once. That was season two, and they went nine and seven. Since then, they've been to the playoffs every year. He's on the tail end of winning seven straight conference titles. He's been to three Super Bowls. He's won two and potentially could get back to another one. But there are reasons why the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid and company are successful every single year. They have a system. It works. It's the same every year. Wash, rinse, repeat. Andy Reid, St. Joe, one of very few teams, one of very few teams that actually go elsewhere for camp. It seems to work. It's a bonding thing. And many people can say, well, they can bond at one arrowhead drive. Maybe, but maybe not the same. They're not living in a dorm room here. They're getting to sleep at their own place. Temptation is right outside the back door. They can go hit up power and light, get back to their place. St. Joe ain't doing that. Now, they have times where they get to leave camp and go home and be with their families. I get that. That's respectful, and I dig that. But St. Joe is where it all starts, right? They go to camp. It's like the whole remember the Titans thing. Not saying that all these guys hate each other, but these guys grow with each other. They learn with each other. They get to experiment things together coming up. Rookies, second-year players, veterans, guys that may have never played on a team like this before. It gets infectious quick. They get bit by the successful bug, and Andy Reid is the leader of that. The way they practice, the length, the way they change it, the way they develop things. We all know the stories of Andy Reid. His playbook is, you know, bigger than the Bible. The Bible's pretty big. There's a lot of fine-tooth combs types of things inside the Andy Reid offense. The way he leads and handles things, the way there's no BS, right? I get it that Travis Kelsey has gotten the veteran leadership and does the podcast with his brother. I guarantee you, if he wasn't doing it with Jason Kelsey, there's no way Travis Kelsey's doing a podcast in season. There is no way. But he knows that he has trust and he has leadership with that podcast because, look, I bet if Tyreek Hill tried to do his podcast, something needed to be said in Kansas City, there's no way he's able to do that here. And that's not saying that Andy Reid is super strict and you can't have any fun. It's just more so like, you can have fun, but you got to earn it. You got to have that level of clout. The way he leads and handles things within this team and doesn't put up with the. Remember last year, Justin Reed? Great guy, great teammate, big leadership role there. Starts barking back at the Cincinnati Bengals. What did Andy Reed say in his press conference right after that? Yeah, that way we don't do that here. I can guarantee you the father mode of Andy Reed kicked in and he went into Justin Reed and said, hey, man, let them talk. Let them do their thing. We don't do that here. 
You know what we do? We beat them in the AFC Championship, and then you can have your fun because then there is no room for talking for the other team. So when they came out and said Burrowhead, I guarantee you Andy Reid was like, this is why we don't talk. Let them do it because then what happens when you beat them? They look foolish. Andy Reid has that father figure of love, caring, and I'm your best friend slash I'm your dad, and I can be your you know family member for life. You watch the quarterback, how great he was with the Mahomes family, how every time that Sterling sees Andy Reid, she's always like, Andy, Coach Reed, whatever it is, they have that connection. That's beyond football, but that affects the way football is played. Everybody is bought in. And he's also got those red-ass moments, right? Those cheeky moments, right? When they play the Raiders and they do the ring around the rosy play. I don't know if they were doing it because they went around the stadium a couple times. Coincidence? Maybe. But Andy Reed will get you. He's sly like a fox. He's the dad on the sidelines, the big lovable teddy bear. But in the end of the night, he'll slit your throat. If you try to piss him off and you try to do things, he remembers. Remember that scene from, uh, what is it, Jurassic Park when that guy with the crooked cowboy hats trying to hunt the raptors, and before he does that, he tells Dr. Grant, they remember. That's Andy Reid. He's a velociraptor. He's quick, sneaky. He'll get you in the backfield, and he'll get you in the front field, and you won't even see it coming. But that, again, is why Andy Reid led teams and Andy Reid players always respect him and always seem to be successful. And you hear Pat McAfee. Everybody wants to see Anthony Richardson, rookie quarterback, I want to see what this kid's made of. Doesn't play. Doesn't get that experiment. Doesn't get that out-of-city camp. You know who's playing in the second quarter? Patrick Mahomes. You know who might possibly play a a series in the third preseason game? Patrick Mahomes and the starters. I can't promise you that. We'll find out more information this week when they talk to the media. But, again, it's the third preseason game. There's only three, not four anymore. Maybe there's a chance there's a little dip of action. But the thing that's great about Andy Reid is that he has the father – fatherhood type of mentality. He's got the red ass mentality and he's got the respect factor and he's got the resume. And not only that people recognize it, coaches recognize it and other players recognize it. And if they didn't, you wouldn't see guys like LaShawn McCoy who didn't like Eric Bieniemy, but every time he sees Andy Reid, he runs across the sideline, gives him a big old hug. People's family members love him, give him hugs. Regular team, they respect him. I remember listening to New Heights podcast with Travis and Jason Kelsey. And Travis Kelsey was like, or they asked him, like, what's something that you know when Andy Reid's either pissed off or isn't happy with what you're doing? He says he gives you that look, right? He's not doing full Dan Campbell where he's trying to be a bro with you and make you embarrassed in front of everybody. He just kind of gives you that look. You know that you've had that look from your father before? My dad had one. My dad would never, like, yell or cuss at us. You just knew when our dad was disappointed. He just kind of gave you that stern little, like, sour, you know, kind of like you just bit a lemon look. Like, what are you doing? You know better than that. You knew when dad gave you that look, it was time to get serious. So the reason that the Chiefs and the Eagles with Andy Reid were always successful and always had that winning mentality is because it starts from the beginning and it goes all the way through the season. Can't make those stats up. Four consecutive NFC championships, five now for the AFC championships in the Kansas City Chiefs. And guess who's the favorite once again? And guess what the narrative is now in the league? Is Patrick Mahomes the quarterback of the Chiefs? Yes. Is Andy Reid the head coach of the the Kansas City Chiefs? Yes. History would support itself that it just happens to work with one big red and Andy Reid. I want to have a little fun because we got to get out of here at 730, and I want to play this interview of Dave Healing from uh, the drive earlier today because I thought it was uh, informal for what the new stadium thing is because that was the big news of the day. And as my boss says, if big news breaks, you better play it. You better support your teammates, and that's what I'm going to do. But on the other side, 
Taco Bell's doing something that I love. No, it's not food-wise. And Billy McFarland's back. Plus, there's the documentary that we've been on the edge of our chair waiting for about the Florida Gators that I can't wait to start on Netflix tonight, probably around midnight after this Royals game. We'll get to all that before we get to Vern's On Deck show on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to After Hours. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. After hours on 610 Sports Radio, Dusty Likens with you for a cool 30 more minutes. As promised, the Dave Helling interview on the drive today with Rob Brenton and Carrington Harrison. I'll play at 7 o'clock for those of you that missed it on the information that was released today on the stadium information. We'll get to that as much well as we can. Uh, I'll answer as many texts I can before I can get out. Um, but Vern on the West Coast comes up at 730 Remember, you have a chance to win two tickets to 610 Day at the K on August 29th, next Tuesday. I'll be there with a bunch of the other uh, rat balls that I call my friends that work at this station. So we'll be there ready to see everybody else. Uh, luckily for us, let's see, what is uh, what is the temperature for next Tuesday? Hopefully it's not 1,000 degrees like it is today. Um, next Tuesday, looking like a soft 88, whatever that means. That's the high. But at least the low is 64. I mean, again, humidity is what kills us all. But, uh, yeah, so you have a chance at winning on the pitch clock. 7.15, you want to call in around there. I'm sorry, 7.45, 7.40-ish, you want to call in, get a p- chance to win two tickets. That game against the Pittsburgh Pirates, it is 6.10 day at the K. So some lucky guy is going to throw out the first pitch, and some lucky guy is going to try to catch it. Three other dudes are going to run in hot dog costumes, and that should be funny. Hopefully one of them falls. And, uh, yeah, we'll wave at some people, have a few sodas, have a glizzy or two. Who knows? It's Tuesday night. I think they do, like, buck night on those nights now, so that should be interesting. But um, speaking of buck night and all that kind of stuff, a lot of us might be familiar with the first Firefest, right? Billy McFarlane, one of the biggest con artists of our uh, generation, just because of the way it went down. Cheese sandwiches, sleeping in teepees. All the bands, one of my favorites, Blink-182, backing out of it before anybody got there. It was just a complete disaster. If I'd have told you there was a second one in the works, would you believe me? If you don't, you should. We announced our first pre-sale on Sunday. They sold out very, very quickly. And I think this kind of all comes back to since 2016, Fire has had 32 billion impressions across social media, which makes us like the most talked about festival in the world. And we saw that in the past literally 36 hours convert to sales. Um, no lineup announced. We did not share the location, and we saw that the first drop almost instantly. So it is just so incredible to finally have the support to make the fire dream a reality and to really share it with the world. This proves the point. There is no such thing as bad publicity. That if you guys are getting that kind of attention, even if it was for this fiasco, it kept people's appetite alive and well, and it's kind of become this curiosity. I kind of feel like I'm the pilot of a single engine propeller plane right now flying through the storm where everybody wants to watch. And whether I crash or land, they want to have a front row seat as long as they're safe. So I think if I can kind of create that turbulence, then Fire Festival 2 will become a great cultural moment. How did you do this? I mean, how did you get investors to you know, come into the fold with you and say, look, we're gonna try this again after the first time, because honestly, good on you 
that you've been able to do that. I, I'm curious how you were able to convince them. So I literally got on Instagram and DM'd the founders at the top couple of dozen festivals around the world that did a really good job. And they pretty much ignored me for the past nine months. And then we actually signed a Broadway musical deal to turn the story of my life and fire into a Broadway musical recently. And I think the courage of the company behind that deal sparked some of these festival operators to start responding to me. And just so grateful they're taking a chance. And it really, really is wild. You gotta serve cheese sandwiches at this, just <laughs> as a thing. I'm serious, it, 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 it's, and people would expect it at this point. The, our partners are not gonna let me do much at the festival. However, I am gonna be cooking cheese sandwiches with Andy at the actual event. So I think that's as far as they'll let me go, but that is definitely happening. Oh, Andy is gonna be involved, all right. Okay. Andy will be there. Cheese sandwiches are back at Firefest 2. I don't understand how this is sold. Now, the, the event is for December 4th, 2024. So we're still quite a ways away from this. And I was kind of listening to Fesco and Kling this morning and as, as I was on the way to the other gig. And it's interesting to me. No bands. No location, but you've sold tickets. Lies. You say you're the pilot of a small engine, single engine plane. Those aren't a good thing to fly. This all sounds like a disaster, but I'm here for it. Right? This is just round two. It seems like people just want to be a part of it. I'm not really sure why you'd want to be a part of it. But hey, man, if you want to get down with the uh, with the Firefest too, that's on you. Know what you're into. Another thing that I thought that was interesting was the fact that Taco Bell has announced, and I'd like to know your opinion on this, 913-586-7610, Jay Southland, Toe Service, text line. You may no longer be able to pay cash at Taco Bell anymore. And I think that we're starting to see this process move forward because I'll never forget how stunned I was when I went to the Royals game for the first time and I had all this, I had like a wad of cash. It looked like I had like a, like a side gambling gig. And I went to the, the concession and I was ready to pay for my food. No, sir, only cards. So if you are non-tax savvy Taco Bell lover, you may soon have to step up your technology game. The fast food chain's parent company, Yum Brands, has hatched a plan for 100% digital transactions. Yum Brands, other holdings include Pizza Hut, KFC, I've, couldn't tell you last about KC. Uh, Chris Turner, the company's chief financial officer, detailed the plan on an earnings or uh, on an earnings call earlier this month. Turner said he wants one part of all customer transactions to have digital component, among other things. That could mean other people putting in more orders through a restaurant's website or mobile apps, or at a restaurant kiosk. It could also mean using artificial intelligence for drive-through orders, which the company is testing. They already do that at many McDonald's, as I've noticed that when you go there. Hi, welcome in. So, again, the world is changing. Also, one thing that's out tonight or has been out for a while today, Swamp Kings, the number one documentary on Netflix right now, at least in my opinion, the four-part series, or maybe it's a three-part series of the Florida Gators from 07 to 08. We remember that roster, something of interest to watch when it comes to sports and media. Up on the other side on After Hours, Dave Healing of the drive today with the interview of Carrington Harrison and Rob Britton on the new stadium. I play you that interview in its full entirety on the other side before we get to Vern's On Deck Show on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Snap in the...
Helene, I apologize. Thank you for correcting me. Text line 816. God bless you. Praise God. Dave Helling. Sometimes I get rolling too fast. Sometimes I get my E's mixed up. But I appreciate you, 816. Thanks for helping me out. Somebody just said sweating flush toxins out. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Hey, Wolf, this is Tyler from Lee Summit. Did you watch the UFC fight a guy with pink hair one? Did you watch? Yes. You were there with me when we watched it. It was on my phone. I found the bat signal, and we watched it. So, of course. But, to no avail, this is the Dave Helling interview from the drive today on the new stadiums. If you missed it, a lot of good information, a lot of good insight on what was going on today as they mentioned the new locations of what could possibly be where the Kansas City Royals will play in the future. Well, I think that they are beginning to roll out some specifics, uh, guys, of what they want from voters in one of these two locations. But, uh, you know, pretty pictures are one thing, and they're very nice, and it looks great. Uh, but I don't think we still have the kind of specifics that we need uh, in either Jackson County or Clay County to make a, a reasonable decision on whether uh, or how taxpayers can support either project. And uh, as far as I know, those numbers have not been released yet. They're doing some economic study stuff. But we don't know, for example, uh, in Clay County, is it a one cent tax? Is it a half cent? How long? We don't know that in uh, in Jackson County either, specifically. So there are a lot of blanks still, despite the uh, uh, the presentation today. Dave, that's been the most frustrating thing for me this entire time. So I'm happy to know that you and I are on the same side. It Yo, was you about, bet. Yeah, I mean, it was about two years ago that John Sherman stood in front of the media and basically said, Coffin Stadium is not enough. We want a new stadium. Since then, yeah. it just doesn't feel like we're any closer to answering the how, what, when, where, and why. Like, to me, this right. was the first day that I think they've actually done something to get you, like, really excited about it. I like the renderings. I want to talk to you more about the renderings. But it's interesting to hear you say that even today, we're not getting some of the hard details that ultimately all of us want regarding this project. Yeah. Now, just so it's clear, I'm not there, so maybe they'll talk about that later. But the reality is, that the Royals, for reasons that are still a, a murky, uh, have drawn out this process in a way that I don't think has been helpful at all. Uh, because I do think that the voters were, are willing in either county to give uh, the team, and for that matter, the Chiefs as well, an honest appraisal of what they want to do and, a, and a, you know, a fact-based decision. But they have no facts to go on, and trust me, Trust me, in my days with the Stars editorial board, I had this conversation with Royals people over and over and over. And I will tell you that I have talked to people who have been connected with the stadiums for decades, and they're equally frustrated with the lack of details. Um, you know, this is this is like talking about the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl without talking about Patrick Mahomes' statistics. You know, well, we don't. He's just really good. You know. <laughs> Or, or, you know, you, specifics are important, and the, and the actual details are important. And until we start getting those, I'm not sure the public is really going to focus that much on what they're hearing. Right now we're talking to Dave Helling about the stadium. 
if you could just, let's say you get a private moment with the owner, you and him are just sharing a drink and you guys are talking. What's the biggest question that you have about this? How much is it going to cost? And for how, and what about the chiefs? I mean, those are the questions that the voter is going to want to know. How much is this going to cost me out of my pocket? Uh, and how, how are we going to pay for the chiefs, whatever they want as well? Because, you know, up until now, those costs have, uh, you know, routinely been split. But if the Royals want, for example, just out of the air, $750 million from taxpayers for a new stadium, the Chiefs are going to ask for the same thing or close to it. That's been the history for the last half century. Well, now we're talking a billion and a half dollars from taxpayers for two stadiums or a refurbishment or a roof or whatever it's going to be. And, uh, you know, there's going to have to be a real campaign to establish a need before voters are going to say not only, guys, not only is that figure acceptable of one billion or one and a half, whatever it is, but that is the best place to spend our money. Because, you know, money is not unlimited. And if you had a billion dollars, would you spend it on stadiums or would you spend it on improving school districts or transportation or housing. I mean, you know, those are the kind of things that politicians and the people deal with all the time. And I think it's just, it's unfortunate, but I don't think the Royals were ready for that. I think they felt all along, hey, we're going to say what we want and everyone's going to fall in line. And I don't think that's going to be the case. One question that I have about this, and I've never really gotten an answer, and it's in line with what you were talking about. You think to the airport, when they were building the airport, they had a projection and it ended up costing way more than what that projection yep. is. All the Royals have really said is, we just want you to extend the tax. So you're telling me that you're going to build a stadium with money that you've already had? Where's the other money coming from? You're not going to well, be able right. to build this new stadium with $300 million. We're probably going to need a billion dollars. Where yes. is that money coming from? That That's the biggest question to me that they've never really answered. Right. They haven't. And and let's be clear, when they said originally, let's just extend the existing tax, that's three-eighths of a cent sales tax uh, now paid by in Jackson County, um, uh, th- that money was split with the Chiefs. So the Royals part of it was only half of three-eighths or three-sixteenths of a cent per dollar over 30 years, which was the life of the lease. That would yield, uh, based on current estimates, about 300 to $350 million in a building fund for a stadium. That's how much money the public would kick in if you kept the tax where it is now and continued to split with the Chiefs. Well, $300 million, $350 million is far short of a billion dollars that the stadium is going to cost. And the Royals, to my knowledge, have never said, hey, we'll cover the other 650. Or, 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 or 700 or whatever that number is. And until we get those kinds of hard numbers, but one of the people who's worked on this for decades called a capital stack, how's it going to work? Uh, then I don't think we can render any kind of judgment at all on what's going on. We need to know the hard facts as voters before we proceed. And even then, by the way, as you guys know, there was a poll out today in Clay County. Uh, voters are skeptical of helping on stadiums. And so, so I, you know, they've got a long time. The vote won't come until next year, uh, but they've got some work to do. There's no question. Right now we're talking to Dave Helling about the Royals and the future of Kauffman Stadium. I do want to get to Clay County. I've got one question about Jackson. 
let's say that they put this on the ballot. I know that they're not, but let's say they put this on the ballot in three months. I'm not sure if it would pass in Jackson County. Where are you? If if the Royals put this on the ballot, hey, we want to extend this 3-8 cent sales tax. We've already shown you the rendering. This is what we want to do. How confident are you that it would pass in Jackson County? Well, again, be be careful because they'd say, hey, let's extend the 3-8. People would say, what about the Chiefs? What, you know, what are the Chiefs going to do? Because we're paying for them now. Uh, so that's going to be a question. You're going to have people in eastern Jackson County, Independence, Lee Summit, Grandview, less than happy with the idea of the stadium going downtown because it's more convenient for those folks now at the Truman Sports Complex. Plus, and this is so important for people to understand, before any of this can happen, the Royals and again, for that matter, the Chiefs, but let's stay with the Royals. The Royals are going to have to renegotiate their existing leases with Jackson County because they have to stay in the current stadium under the current lease until the end of the 2030 season. So we need those details. How long will the Royals commit to staying in Jackson County? 30 years, 40 years? How much is the tax? Where does the money go? What are the details on the billion-dollar village that they want to build next to the stadium? Those questions haven't been completely answered. It's just so important that people realize that facts will determine how people vote. And I think based on the facts we know now, it's a real uphill battle. I will say this, Dave, and this is more of an opinion than anything, I actually like the rendering in Clay County a little bit more than I like the one in downtown. Like I live in downtown Kansas city. So obviously I want to see the stadium come down there. I think it's the best thing for the city for you to have it as this crown jewel right next to the T-Mobile center. I really like the plan that they had at Clay County. It just seemed like it was more to it than what they had for downtown. Yeah. Now there are problems in Clay County and let's talk about those for a few minutes because I think aesthetically people might agree with you guys or not, but, but just let's stay in Clay County. The, the Clay County folks will be facing a, a tax increase if it goes there far in excess of three-eighths of a cent. It's more like a, a, a penny on the dollar. Uh, and it might be for 30 or 40 years, a long time to build the stadium there. The, the leases would also have to be renegotiated if Clay County is the chosen site because the Royals can't leave the Truman Sports Complex until after the 2030 season. But here's the other thing to keep in mind. Under the current leases, Kansas City, Missouri, and Jackson County pay an annual fee to the Royals and Chiefs for routine maintenance out of the stadium. It has nothing to do with all the improvements. It's just the usual painting and, and you know tuck pointing and all the stuff they do. If the Royals move to Clay County, that money is gone immediately. Kansas City's not going to pay the Royals to play in Clay County, nor is Jackson County. And that's four or five million dollars a year, which over 25 years is a hundred million bucks less in the Royals pocket if they move to Clay County. So those are, you know, again, details that are important for people to understand. And the other thing to remember about Clay County is the pictures look great, but uh, getting in and out of downtown North Kansas City, it could might be a challenge. Uh, you know, you have to cross a bridge if you live south of the river. That means Johnson County, uh, Kansas residents, Wyandotte County, Jackson County have to figure out which bridge they want to go over to get across the river to that site. And then parking, mass transit is not 
very heavily involved in North Kansas City, as you guys know. Uh, so, so there are, again, details to work out. And the poll that we mentioned a few minutes ago suggests that Clay Countyans would like the idea of a stadium in North Kansas City, but they're not sure they want to pay for it. And I mean, I, I understand that part. I would just argue like that part is America. Like I see it on the text line all the time. Hey, why do we have to pay for these stadiums? Well, that's just what yeah. teams are asking you to do. Like, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's fair. But I mean, every one of these stadiums that we see built, they are taking taxpayer money and they are using it on the stadium. Yeah. Yeah. With, you know, with a few exceptions, Jerry Jones built his own stadium down in Dallas and uh, uh, what's his name out in Los Angeles building. But, but, but in most places, yes. And this is an important point, too. Taxpayers are going to be asked to spend more money for the franchises no matter what happens, even if they stay at the Truman Sports Complex, which the Royals have said they don't want to do. Those facilities will need major upgrades over the years ahead, and that means taxpayers will have to be involved at some level. Now, that's the other thing to keep in mind about Clay County, by the way. Clay County could approve a sales tax for a new stadium, but 20, 25 years from now, they may be asked to spend even more money because that stadium will need an upgrade wherever it goes. So, uh, again, I, you know, I hate to beat a dead horse over and over, but there are so many things we need to know before we can make a value judgment on this stadium, which, by the way, I'm not sure the Royals uh, can do by next April. Dave, I'm curious if you actually believe the people of Clay County, because I was just doing some Googles earlier today, and I looked at, uh, at one point, I mean, people were anti the streetcar at one point. People were anti Sprint Center at one point. People were anti building a new airport. Like, a lot of these polls, I think, are normally negative in this sense. Hey, we don't want this. We don't want to pay for it. But eventually, we got a lot of those things. I just find it hard to believe that at one point, it could be on the ballot. Hey, Clay County, do you want the Royals, the greatest thing to ever happen to your county and then people will go to the ballot and and vote no so i actually kind of find that hard to believe but today the poll that you tweeted out it it looks like people would actually do that yeah it's uh you know tax increases are tough now let's you know let's talk a little bit about you mentioned the airport for example the sprint center t-mobile center now even the streetcar uh though you're right those did not pull well but here's the key difference in all three of those projects from the stadiums The airport was paid for not by taxpayers, but by people who fly. The Sprint Center was paid for through a a hotel tax and a rental car tax, both arguably paid by out-of-towners, not local people, but but people who came to visit our city and rented cars or, or rented a hotel room. And the streetcar is being paid for by the people who have businesses or homes along the route of the streetcar. It's not a general tax increase in that case or the other two you mentioned. This would be a general tax increase for everyone in Clay or Jackson, whichever county it ends up going to. And that's a tougher sell. Remember in 2004, there was a proposed sales tax in Jackson County and Johnson County, Kansas, a bi-state tax like the one that they used for Union Station to build stadiums or to do stadium repairs. And that failed in Johnson County, which is, you know, there are a lot of people that make a lot of money in Johnson County, and they still turned it down. Not impossible for it to pass. Uh, not, but, but, but it is the Royals can't simply throw their cap out onto the diamond and say, vote for this because we want it. There's going to have to be a significant campaign to convince the people in either county 
to go along with this. Dave, last question here. If you had to look into your crystal ball, you've been covering this, following it. If you had to look into your crystal ball, what do you think happens in the next, like, six months? Yeah, just quickly, I produced a a primetime special at Channel 4 called Who Will Save the Royals and Chiefs in 1988. So that's how long I've been covering these issues, even before that to some degree. I think the Royals will make an effort for a new stadium. I think it's most likely going to be in Jackson County, although I've been told that Clay County is making a real run at the end, in part because the Merriman family is involved in Clay County, and they can do some things privately and independently that the Royals may like. But I think ultimately they will say, the team will say, look, we need to do what we can in in Kansas City, Missouri, Jackson County. It'll be on the ballot in November of next year, not April. The deadline for putting something on the ballot in April of next year is the end of January, which is just a few months away. I'm not sure they can work out the details between now and then. But I would put it on the November ballot, a presidential election year, big turnout, big campaign. By then we'll know what the Chiefs want to do. And my guess is the Royals will try to convince the public to build downtown. And then the Chiefs will want to do whatever the Chiefs want to do. And that will be an important context, too, because people will want to know if they have to vote a separate tax for football or whatever. It's very complicated, and I'm not sure that there's a great appreciation for how difficult these questions are. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Just a few short minutes until we're out of here, and then you get my guy, Josh Vernier, who gives me zero credit for last night's bet that I placed on Bobby Witt Jr. to hit an anytime home run, not knowing that I had yet to talk to any sources or read any articles. I just, two bets ago, I put a bet on Shohei Otani to hit an anytime home run. It hit. I had a gut feeling. Yesterday, I had a gut feeling that Bobby Wood Jr. was going to hit a home run because that's my guy, and he hit a home run. Now, I know that Joe Summers had sent me a tweet and said, Dusty Likens, in case you need to win on Vern, but tonight I'll be back, baby. I'll be back. I'll be on Josh Vernier's pregame show, on deck show, Josh Vernier, again. Got a chance to win two tickets to a future Royals game. That future Royals game is Tuesday, August 29th against the Pittsburgh Pirates for 610 day at the K. All of us dudes will be there ready to see you have a conversation. You want to chit chat about Chris Jones? You want to chit chat about Bobby Wood Jr.? You can do all that you want. Josh Vernier on deck show. The pitch clock. 20 seconds. Get it right. Two tickets in your hand. Well, I guess on your phone nowadays, everything is electronic thanks to dave helling for joining the drive and giving you all the information you need on the new stadiums coming forward thanks to everybody being kind to everybody today if you were mean to somebody just you know try to do better tomorrow that's the words that josh vernier gave me back when i was a young buck on this air hey don't worry about it just do better royals and a's zach rinky's back on the roster bobby wood jr's batting in the lineup where Vern will tell you. I'm Dusty Likens. This is After Hours. Thanks to James. Thanks to all you for listening. Again, as I always tell you, go be kind. Do something nice for somebody. It can change this mad, crazy world. Stay cool. Stay inside. Don't be dumb and go outside and try to be a hero. It's 
cool to care. Kansas City, stay safe. Have a great night. Josh Verner's on deck show on 610 Sports Radio. Coming up next, have a good night, Kansas City.